0: Hey, Good morning. Good to see you. Thanks for coming out. Thanks for choosing to make River Glen part of your uh, weekend. Good to be here uh, together with you. Before I get going, I want to tell you a little bit about next weekend. We got a great weekend planned for you. Uh, next weekend, we got the we start our Friday night with a concert. Uh, anybody going to the concert? Matthew West concert? Oh yeah, it's going to be a great night. And then Saturday, uh, we're having what we're calling the Unfinished Party to celebrate the one year milestone of Unfinished. Do you guys like parties? Yeah, parties are fun. And then we're going to have music. Food and update you on, on what God's done, and look forward to what God's going to do in our future through Unfinished. And also, next weekend, very, very special uh, guest speaker, a friend of mine named uh, David Upchurch. He's the director of church ministries with Lincoln Christian University. He's going to be here to wrap up this series, Life on uh, Mission. You may not know this, but uh, we've got a connection to Lincoln, many of our staff, interns. I look back and I counted up that we have had 14, 14 staff and interns. Uh, come from uh, LCU, Lincoln, and uh, some of them have moved on to uh, other ministries, but a great school and great partner with River Glen, Dave Upchurch, excellent speaker, and so don't miss the service next weekend, and uh, Dave's going to share a message called Created for a Purpose wrap up this series, Life on Mission, you know, this series, I think, has reminded us, I've enjoyed it, it's reminded us that we've got one mission as a church, one mission. As followers of Jesus, you think that would be pretty simple, you know, when you have just uh, one job, uh, but sometimes we don't get that right. We've we've had some fun with this, and uh, we've taken a look at some pictures of people uh, experiencing failure in their occupational responsibilities. There's all kinds of these on the internet, like this one here. You you know, you had one job, you know, figure out what metal it is, right? And then uh, you got one job, and, uh, you know, this would have to be a really little dog, you know, maybe a dachshund, a very short run. Uh, one, one job, uh, back to school knives, probably not a very good idea, I'm thinking. And then uh, anybody want to try some grapeless grapes? Get you some of those. Uh, yeah, it's fun to laugh at those. But when you think about the church and when you think about followers of Jesus and, and, and the one job uh, and how sometimes we don't get it right, you know, it's not so funny. And that's why I'm thankful for this series. Some of you are new to all this and you're just full of questions, you know, why do we do this? Uh, what about this? What does it mean to follow Jesus and, and go to church? And I'm so glad you're here because that's what we're going to talk about today. Some of you, on the other hand, you know, maybe you're here and you're not even sure that you want to follow Jesus and be a Christian and go to church. Maybe you, maybe you know somebody who claims to be a Jesus follower, but they don't really live it out. And you think, I don't want any part of that. Well, I'm glad you're here because you know what? You know, they probably weren't, weren't doing the one job. Uh, that they were supposed to do, and we're going to tell you what it is today. And then some of us have followed Jesus for a long time, but somewhere along the way, we started drifting from the one job into another job that we thought was equally important, but it's, but it's not, and you begin to maybe look down at other people that are doing uh, their one job. And so this is a great chance uh, for all of us to get in alignment on what it is, that we're supposed to, to be uh, doing. And so, a uh, spoiler alert, I'm going to go ahead and tell you what our one job is. Here's what Jesus said. He said, make disciples. Don't be a disciple. Don't make converts. He said, the, the one job for the church, the one job for my followers is to go and make disciples. Here's how we say it around here. Our mission is to make more and better followers of of Jesus. And so how do we do that? Well, we've been talking about this this, uh, process. We've been going through steps. Step number one, you've got to connect with people that are Far from, from, from God. We can't isolate ourselves. Connect with people, whether it's people you know, at work or at church. Or, or not, not church, but work, well, it could be church. But uh, wherever, wherever those people are. And then we serve them. This isn't about a sales pitch. Uh, this is about uh, helping them and showing them God's kindness. And eventually we get to a point where we can share the story of what God has done in our life. And now today we're going to talk about what it means to grow. Because when you grow in your faith... You attract other people to what you're following. I know for some of us, this has been a pretty challenging series. I would say for me, this has been uh, personally impactful and challenging for me. You know, some of us, we, we think, I don't know how to share my faith with other people. I don't know how to start a spiritual conversation. But sometimes, all you have to do is grow in your faith. And other people will see you, and and they're going to start asking questions, and they're going to want to know more. And so today we're going to talk about how do you grow in your faith and some of the mistakes that we make along the way. Now, I don't know if you realize it, but uh, there's actually a big event going on in in Milwaukee uh, right now. Does anybody anybody know what that event is? Yeah, uh, uh, there's a a marathon going on. It's kind of wet today. Maybe we want to pray for them, but uh, there's people that are are going to run uh, 26.2 miles. Uh, in, in, in Milwaukee. Yeah, I don't know why they want to do that, but uh, some people have signed up uh, to do that. I'm curious, anybody here? Is anybody here that, you know, if I said go, you know, you could get out and, and, and run the, uh, the, the 26 miles? Anybody? Um, well, that's kind of my point. I don't know that there's anybody here, probably not very many here, that could go out and, and actually run uh, a marathon uh, today, but you know what? You know what? Eventually you could. Eventually, you could, if you, if you wanted to. And here's why, because there's a big, big difference between trying and training. Trying says, I'll give it a shot, okay? And, and, and it doesn't work. Training says, I'll work every single day until I can. And the same is true, whether you're learning to play the guitar, Whether you're learning algebra, whether you're learning how to share your your faith, whether you're trying to get in shape to maybe run a marathon, personal growth and transformation requires training, not just just trying. Now, now here's why I bring this up. Because the moment that we talk about growing in our faith, and we talk about practices like prayer and and scripture reading and reflection and, and going to a small group and church, there's this natural pushback that says, I'm too busy. I don't understand it. Uh, I, I, don't, I don't have time for it. I don't think I could grow in my faith. But the truth is, you can't if you try. You can if you train. In fact, take a look at this. Here's what, here's what the scripture says about this. Here's what Paul said. From the very beginning, God decided that those who came to him, and all along he knew who would, should become like his son. Notice, not just believe in his son. Uh, not just obey his son, but become like him, which means you begin to develop the characteristics and the qualities of Jesus in your life. Here's how Jesus put it. Here's what he had to say. I'm the vine, uh, you're the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. In other words, he says, if, if you want to become like me, stay close to me and and then as a natural result, you'll begin to look like me, and, and, and you will produce my fruit in your life. Now, scholars have debated about what does Jesus mean here when he talks about fruit. Some scholars say, well, maybe he means the fruit of the Holy Spirit. Remember those qualities? We did a whole series on this over the summer. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Maybe he meant the fruit of the Holy Spirit. And then there's other scholars that say, no, I think he meant fruit of our mission, Uh, making more disciples. In other words, more and more people follow Jesus because of your life. And you know what I think? The answer is both. Yes, to both. Because fruit comes with a seed in it, except for the grapeless grapes, okay? Uh, Fruit has a seed. Fruit is not just meant to be consumed. Fruit is meant to reproduce. And the same is true about our lives. When you begin to stay close to Jesus... You begin to look like Jesus and develop these characteristics in your life. And when somebody looks at you, they say, you know what, I want that. I want that in my life. Tell me how to do that. Here's probably a better way to, uh, to say it. As we grow to be like Jesus, others will want to know Jesus. And sometimes the best thing you can do is live your life in such a way that you get close to other people. And they see something different in your life. And, and they want what you have. I mean, isn't it true that the problem for many people who don't follow Jesus is not Jesus, it's his followers. You ever heard this statement? Maybe you've seen this on a bumper sticker. I love Jesus, just not his friends. Yeah, and what they're saying there, they're talking about us. You know, some people think that we're just a bunch of hypocrites. They think, you don't live it out. You're not any different. You're no different than I am. I was thinking about this recently on, at McDonald's. Sometimes it's early in the morning, I'll go to McDonald's and, and I'll, I'll get my computer out. I'll spread out some papers and I'll, and I'll work on these uh, messages. And Sometimes people see me and all these papers and they say, you know, what are you working on? So I'm in McDonald's and a couple guys come in and uh, these guys are, let's just say they're hammered, okay? And they come in at the booth next to me. And they're, they're over there for a little while, and I hear them talking about how they partied last night, how they stayed up and, you know, just partied and had, had uh, a lot to drink and used colorful uh, language. Then they're getting ready to leave. One guy uh, goes to the restroom. The other guy gets up, he's getting his coat on, and he turns to me, and he starts engaging me in a conversation. And he asks me, he says, what are you working on? I say, this is just work stuff. And he says, well, what kind of work do you do? I tell him that, you know, I work for a church, and I'm a pastor. And then he starts telling me how church is great, and he grew up going to church, and how church and Jesus are a big, big part of his life. And I'm thinking, you know, that's great, but I'm not sure right now in this moment that you are a great representative of what it is your church is trying to do. There's just not that much change in your life. And I think about our lives as well. Sometimes, sometimes we're not great representatives of the church or of Jesus. Sometimes I'm not a great representative of, of Jesus. That's why I don't have a fish symbol, you know, on the, on the bumper of my car. I, I don't have enough of the fruit of the Holy Spirit in my driving. I don't want people to see me cut somebody off and blame Jesus. Okay, and so I just have a, I have a Fox River church bumper sticker <laughs> right there on my car. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I love Fox River. I love Pastor Guy. But look at what the scripture tells us, that, uh, that uh, you and I, when people see us, you know, they should say, I want what you have. Look what Peter says about this. He says, live an exemplary life among the natives, among people who don't follow Jesus, so that your actions will refute Their prejudices. Sometimes people are prejudiced against uh, Christians. They think we're hypocrites. uh, Live an exemplary life. And then they'll be won over to God's side and be there to join in the celebration when he arrives. Peter says, the more you grow and and look like Jesus, the more other people are going to want to follow Jesus. You ever thought about this? In order to pay the penalty for sin, I mean, Jesus could have come down to the earth for like three or four days. And, you know, he could have come and just died on the cross, gotten buried, and then resurrected, and gone back to be with the the Father. Theologically, three or four days would have taken care of it. But instead, he stays here for 33 years because he wants to show us how to live, how we're supposed to live. Because the more that we look like him the more other people are going to want to know him. And that's really the purpose of growing in our faith. It's not so that you're smarter. It's not so that you are morally superior or intellectually superior to, to other people. The purpose of growing in your faith is, is so that somebody will, will look at you and they're going to want to know Jesus. That's the purpose. But sometimes we resist growing in our faith and, and looking like Jesus. And I think, if, I think the reason, you know, if we're, if we're honest, if we're, if we're really honest deep down, we don't always believe that Jesus knows the best way to live because if, we, because if we believe that, then we would do what he says. I mean, don't we all have our thoughts that you know Jesus lived at a different time? Jesus lived 2,000 years ago. He doesn't know what life is like today. Things are different now. I've heard people say, well, Jesus wasn't married and he didn't have kids and so he doesn't really know what I'm going through in my, in my life. Well, I'm glad he wasn't married. You know, if you think about it, he knew that he was gonna die and leave at age 33. He would have left behind a young wife and some kids, and she probably would have gotten uh, remarried, and uh, how would you like to be that guy? <laughs> uh, I mean, you think it's difficult to, to, to live up to your spouse's ex. That's Jesus, okay? And you know, the kids would constantly be saying, why can't you be more like my dad? It'd be, it'd be really hard. That's a lot to live up to. We tend to think Jesus doesn't know what it's, what it's like to live today, but Jesus understands love. He invented love. He created love. He lives w- within it. And Jesus understands what it's like to raise kids. I mean, he, he, he dealt with the uh, disciples, and they just, they just made all kinds of immature decisions. And Scripture says that he was tempted in every way that you and I are, are, are tempted. Look at how the early Christians talked about Jesus and referred to Jesus as, as, as someone in whom are hidden the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. In other words, Jesus knows it all. He knows what I should do, but we don't always trust that Jesus knows what's best for us because we don't always do what he said to do. For example, Jesus said, don't worry. And uh, I know I struggle. We we struggle with that one. Uh, Or Jesus said, love your enemy. Pray for those who persecute you. That's that's another difficult one. We struggle following that one. Jesus also said, uh, give to Caesar. Be someone who gives to Caesar what is Caesar's. And give to God what is God's. In other words, as faithful as you are paying your taxes, be faithful giving your tithe to God, giving, giving financially to God's work. And you say, I can't do that. Well, you can't run a marathon either, but you could if you trained. And so here's what I want to do with my remaining time. I want to just tell you about three different ways that we try to grow and we, and we fail And we may not even realize we're doing one of these three, but it will lead you to anger and and frustration and feeling stuck. And then I'm going to tell you about a couple ways that will help you grow and get a mission with your life. All right, here's the first one. The first way that we try to grow and uh, we end up struggling, I'm just going to call this the weekend warrior. Yeah, this is the guy from an exercise point of view who all week long, he eats pizza and uh, nachos. And candy bars. And then on Saturday, he decides, you know what, I'm going to mar- go run a marathon. And what happens? He gets injured, pulls a muscle. You know, he's over there vomiting in the bushes. It's very, very, very bad because one weekend workout doesn't really train you to be able to do anything. And the same is true spiritually speaking. Just coming to church on the weekend and that's it. If that's the only spiritual input in your life, no prayer, no small group, no scripture reading or reflection or anything during the week, after a while, a weekend warrior is going to feel frustrated and not growing. And sometimes they begin to complain about their church and they say, I'm just not being fed there uh, because you were never designed to live on one meal a week. Here's a second way that we try to grow, and that is no pain no gain. And uh, this is the guy at the uh, health club that, you know, wears all the workout clothing and workout equipment, walks around the gym, you know, high, high fives a few people, uh, drinks one of those energy drinks. Maybe he goes over to that machine, pulls, pulls it down a couple times, flips through a health magazine, and, uh, and then he walks out, doesn't even need to shower, and uh, he, he thinks, well, I went to the gym, but it doesn't really do any good. He's not any better off for it because there's no exertion. There's no pain. And the same is true spiritually speaking. I know there are things in my life God's nudging me to do that I know will make me feel uncomfortable that I resist. And maybe you do too. Maybe maybe it's volunteering in kid life. I don't know. Maybe it's joining uh, a small group. And you're like, I don't know if I could do that. But I've noticed in my life that experiences that make me uncomfortable also grow me the most. It's the seasons of, in life when I go through the the, the most pain that I really rely on God and I rely on prayer. And sometimes I don't realize Jesus is all I need until Jesus is all I have. Look at how James describes this. He says, dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come your way. I'll Stop right there. I mean, how do we respond when trouble comes our way? Oh, no. God, take this away. God, please remove this from my life. Look what James says. James says... Uh, consider it an opportunity for great joy. Why? For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. So let it grow. For when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect, complete, needing nothing. And so let me ask you, what is it in your life that you know you need to do? What is it in your life that you know Jesus wants you to do, but you're not doing it because it's too painful? You know, maybe it's something as simple as uh, getting up 15 minutes earlier, and reading some scripture, reflecting on some scripture, spending some time uh, with God. Maybe it's something as difficult as having a conversation and saying I'm sorry. Maybe it's forgiving someone and just letting go of that grudge. Maybe it's volunteering around here. Maybe it's beginning to tithe. Whatever it is, if you think pain avoidance will help you grow, it won't. You'll be stuck. All right, here's the third way that we struggle with growth. And uh, I'm just going to call this one the Atkins plan, okay? Atkins only plan. I don't know, if anybody here, maybe some of you have tried the Atkins diet. Uh, maybe some of you are on it. I tried it uh, many years ago. It's a fantastic diet. You can eat all the bacon and uh, butter and blue cheese dressing and, and steak. It's, it's fantastic, okay? But, but uh, it can cause some problems later on. Here's the spiritual side of this, this mentality that I just need more meat, because Atkins is all about meat and and protein. I just just need more meat, which means more intellectual knowledge. This is the person that listens to like five podcasts every week. They're in four small group Bible studies. They go to three different churches on the weekend, and they're just acquiring massive amounts of information, and, and they don't do anything with it. Look at how Paul cautions us on this. He says, he says, knowledge puffs up, makes you arrogant, while love builds up. In other words, you know, maybe you should serve a little. Uh, maybe you should live that out in your life. Maybe, maybe you should stop thinking uh, about how you are intellectually superior and start thinking more about people who, who don't know Jesus. Because when you follow this kind of plan uh, for growth, eventually you go to a church, whatever church it is, And you're going to walk away and say, oh, not feeling it. You know, heard that before. Learned that a long time ago. Uh, Nothing there for me. Because you're not not bringing somebody with you and listening through their ears. Somebody who's hearing it for the first time. And so here's the problem. If you pick any one of these uh, three paths to grow, it's going to lead you to get stuck and frustrated And feeling angry, and eventually it'll it'll lead you to blame someone, and it's not going to be you. You you might start off uh, blaming your pastor, you know. (laughs) You say, you know, I'm just not being fed there, but uh, it's because uh, you want all your needs to be met in 60 minutes. You you expect one meal to feed you for the whole week, or you're going to blame uh, your church here and you're going to say well they're just not providing enough you know why don't they why don't they do this why don't they offer you know this programming or you might begin blaming your lord because because he didn't give you what you asked for he didn't take away the trouble in your life and make your life easier all this frustration because you're following the wrong method For growing in your faith. And so what does it take to grow? Well, at some point in your life, you reach a stage where you need to learn how to feed yourself. You need to become, in order to make disciples, you need to become a self-feeder. Now, there are several ways, uh, several practices that can help you feed yourself, such as prayer, reading and reflecting on scripture memorizing scripture, meditating, prayer retreats, and on and on. I'm not going to walk through all those, but I want to tell you about two practices because I think more than others, these two will work as a catalyst for, the, for growth in your life. And everybody can do them. All right, here's the first one. You've got to get a trainer. Get a trainer. Somebody that's further along than you spiritually who will walk alongside you and help you to grow up spiritually, just like having a trainer will help you get in shape physically. I mean, you're much more likely to get up in the morning and go for a run if you have a running partner waiting for you at 6 a.m. on the corner. You're much more likely to go to the gym and work out if you have a trainer waiting for you who is going to help you and encourage you and challenge you. Now, this may come as a a little bit of a surprise, but, uh, you know, I do go to the gym. I do have a, a gym membership, but I don't have a trainer, okay? Now, if I had a trainer, yeah, that's what I would look like right there, you know? Maybe someday, right? All right, let's take that down, okay? Um, Every one of us needs somebody in our life that's a little bit further ahead that'll walk alongside us and help us grow spiritually. Uh, Jesus said it this way. He said, no disciple is above the master, but every disciple, when fully trained, will be like the master. Our master is Jesus. We, We become like Jesus, but notice, training is required. Paul put it this way. He said, train yourself to be godly, for physical training is of some value, but godliness has value for all things, holding promise for both the present life and the life to come. He says uh, physical training is, is, good, is good for your body. Uh, there's value in that, but eventually your body turns to dust and it goes into, into the ground. But your soul will last forever. And he says, he says train, train yourself in godliness because it has value, not just in this life, but for the life to come. So you need to get a a spiritual trainer, somebody that walks alongside you. And this is why we are such big proponents around here of small groups. Uh, We offer all kinds of of, of groups, men's groups, women's groups, singles groups, mixed groups, support groups, recovery groups, because we want you to connect with some people who are gonna walk alongside you. And we want you to find someone, find some people that are further along uh, that, that will motivate you to grow rather than just do this on your own. I'm in a men's group on uh, Tuesday nights, and uh, I just love it. And I've noticed in this group and, and other groups that I've been in previously, a guy you know, will, will, will open up about you know, maybe a, a challenge or a problem situation in his life, and the other guys will listen and then encourage this guy and offer helpful input and prayer for him. And that's what it looks like for us to train each other Uh, To become more like Jesus. So you need to get a trainer. But if that's all you do, you're going to get really selfish and think, you know, everything is here to meet uh, my needs. And that's why you need to do the second practice. And that is, you need to train somebody. You need to have somebody in your life that you're training. Because when Jesus said, I want you to make disciples... He meant, I want you to get involved in other people's lives, and I want you to tell them what you've heard from me. I want you to tell them what you have learned from me and help them grow in their, in their faith. Did you notice that the, word, the term Christian, that it only occurs three times in the, uh, in the Bible? We use that term all the time. The term disciple occurs 269 times. The word disciple means apprentice. It means somebody walking alongside you that's in training. And that's what Jesus wants for you, an apprentice, somebody that you're training. That's what it means to make disciples. Even if you're new to the faith, even if you're young in the uh, faith, it'll help you. God will use you to train somebody else. Think about those 12 disciples that followed Jesus. They were young in in their faith. Half the time, they weren't even sure what they believed. They were early in their faith, but uh, now all of a sudden, they're leading people. God's using them to train other people. That's why it's our passion around here in this church to make more and better followers of Jesus. We've got to do both. We can't just make more. We can't just make better because you can't make better followers if you're not reaching more people. And you can't make more followers if you don't have better followers. You have to do both. I love the way that one pastor put it. Perry Noble says, found people, find people. Found people, find people. That's our mission. That's what it's about. That's how Jesus lived. And that's what it means to make disciples. And that's something that all of us can be a part of. But for you to do that, you got to make a decision that it's time for me to to stop just sitting and consuming more information and asking what else is there for me. And it's time for me to step up and serve other people. So instead of coming to church and asking what's in it for me and how's it going to meet my needs, come with somebody else. Bring somebody else and ask, How's it going to meet their needs? Because you're leading them, you're discipling them, you're training them. And you know what I've learned when you go to the gym? I mean, the trainers are always in great shape, aren't they? And that's because they stay one step ahead of the people that they're training. And the more you train, the more in shape you will be here's what happens when you get around other 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 people uh, other Jesus followers and and uh, you're you're training some you're being trained uh, by others it's going to change the trajectory of your faith it's going to grow and strengthen your faith paul says i want us to help each other with the faith we have your faith will help me and my faith will help you and we have many people in this church living this out people who were influenced by others and now god's using them to influence other people, I want you to hear a story from a woman uh, in our church named Andrea. Take a look at the screens.
1: My name is Andrea, and I have been coming to River Glen. It'll be three years in November. I grew up Catholic and always, always went to church, um, even when I was in high school and out of high school. Before I'd go out, I always went to 5:30 mass, and my life just, you know, passed by and I got married, and um, that didn't didn't last. And then I got married again, bought a house, and he worked in Washington D.C. And it was uh, extremely stressful. It was a very difficult time in my life, and um, I, I had been a far from church at that point. I hadn't been going even going to church um, for so it probably had been 10 or 15 years, and it was awful. I was having anxiety attacks. And, yelling and I was drinking and not seeing my husband and um, I finally said you know what God you you gotta do something because I I I don't even know what to do anymore and um, it was clear that he said go to church and I didn't even realize God could talk to you that way and um, he just said go to church Um, so literally there was a church not even two blocks away so I went there and uh, turned out to be an incredible experience, an incredible door opening to literally why I'm sitting here right now. I had filed for divorce. I was planned on moving back to Michigan. My dad had found me an apartment, and um, I was taking my daughters and leaving. And uh, this lady in the the small group said, "Just just read this book. And it was the power of a praying wife. Every day, you pray for your husband. And the last thing I wanted to do right then was pray for my husband. But I agreed to doing that, and so I did it for every day for 30 days. And God just said to me, "Yeah, you need to, you need to stay and figure this out because there's more to what you have right now." Every step God takes me, every church, every new state, He knows where to put me so He can not only use me but find women who will teach me. When we moved here to, to Wisconsin, I knew the value now of church and church family and, and what it meant to have a relationship with the Lord. And so I found uh, another group of women um, who who delved even deeper into the Bible and into scripture, and we all seemed to grow. We had a great leader, and um, she felt God was taking her in another direction and wasn't going to have time to lead our Bible study. And so that then pushed us to have to develop teachings kind of skills and facilitating skills and my faith has grown. I I trust God to to lead me into a way to bring these women even farther along in their journey because that's that's the whole purpose of, of our lives is to is to get in with Christ and then to move forward with Christ and to bring others in with Christ. And the the faith that I have to know that I'm here for as long as I'm here and God is going to use me in ways that I don't even imagine because once you get over the fear of, of being in, in a sort of a responsible role it just comes, it comes naturally, it comes from God. I could have never imagined sitting here in front of a video telling you that having my heart broken is the best thing that ever happened to me because it took me from there to here which means I'm in God's hands and He's in charge.
0: Let's give Andrea a hand. That's a great example. She is growing in her faith. I love the way that so many people influenced her, trained her, and now she's influencing others. God's using her to train other people. A couple questions for you. Let me ask you, who is training you? Who is it maybe in your small group that's further ahead of, of you who is walking alongside you, helping you, training you to follow Jesus better? And then who is it in your life that you're training? Who are you leading? Who are you praying for? Who are you inviting to the weekend service? I want to give you just a couple challenges uh, here to take a step in this direction of making uh, disciples. Uh, some of you are brand new to this, and, uh, but you believe and you're ready to take your next step and your first step, the starting line for you is uh, baptism. It's called baptism. We actually have a card in the uh, seat back in front of you. If you'd like to find out more, if you'd like to sign up for baptism, go ahead and fill that out, put it in the offering later on. We've got a baptism service coming up in three weeks, and it's going to be wonderful, and I think you might really enjoy being part of it. We also have a welcome card in the seat back in front of you. Would you go ahead and just grab that? I'd like everybody to grab that. Let's take a look at that together. Just reach forward and grab the welcome card. And on the front where it says welcome, go ahead and fill out as much of that as you feel comfortable filling out. And then on the back where it says connect and contribute, I want to challenge you. For some of you, you know what, it's time. It's time for you to step up and do more than what you're already doing, whether that means volunteering to serve around here or whether that means uh, joining a group, just to be around some more people and get in relationships where you are being trained and you are helping train others. Some of you have been a Christian for a long time and, and, and you might be in a small group, but it's time for you to lead a group like Andrea, to step up and lead a group and God will use you to make disciples. God will use you to train other, other people. And uh, what I'd like for you to do, notice the box in the middle where it says prayer request. Just go ahead and write in there, lead a group. You know, if you're ready to take that step, if you're ready uh, for that uh, challenge. And so I'm asking you to fill this out. Put this card in the offering bag uh, later on or after the service. Take it over to the connect wall. Take it over to the contribute corner. We've got people there that would love to answer your questions and help you take your next uh, step right now. I'm going to pray for us, and then we're going to we're going to actually do a little do some training time uh, together as we as we share a communion. For those of us who have decided to follow Jesus, communion is an ongoing opportunity for training to train ourselves to remember what Jesus did for us on the cross that we can't do for ourselves. Communion trains us to stay close to Jesus, so that we produce fruit to make disciples, more disciples and better uh, disciples. Let me pray for us, and then we'll uh, share communion. God, I, I pray for everyone here right now. Some of us are ready to take a step and sign up and make a commitment to get baptized. God, God give them a, a nudge. Give them the courage to take that important step today. Some of us have, have done that, and, and we're ready to... to um, Make a, a commitment, maybe, maybe a recommitment to you and get on mission with you and help make disciples. God, would you help us understand that that you want all of us in a process of becoming more like your son? And if I can't even put a fish on my uh, on my car yet, we, we have a long way to go. I have a long way to go. God, thank you that you know we don't grow in order to make you happy and, and to love us. You are you're already happy. You have joy. And you already love us, and we do this out of gratitude and love for you and out of commitment to your mission of making uh, disciples. We want to help other people find and follow you. Remind us of, of your love for everyone, God, as we share communion together. And it's in Jesus' name, amen.